If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to spend our time this morning looking at the biblical qualifications for a deacon. And just a quick encouragement to you, if you were in children's ministry last week or uh, just weren't with us last week uh, and you did not have a chance to listen to the message on Acts 6, we'd strongly encourage you to check it out on the website uh, as today's message really builds upon the foundation of that one. Well, our time this morning, as it was a couple weeks ago, is a bit different as we're going to be looking at God's Word for about a half hour or so, and then we're going to uh, have all three of us come back up here like we did a few weeks ago and answer some questions, this time about deacons and, and the deacon process. And then next week, we're going to get back into our sermon series on Matthew that we have entitled, Follow Me. All right, we're going to read 1 Timothy chapter 3, and actually I want to begin in verse 1 and go to verse uh, 13, because I thought it would just be a great summary for us of the last four weeks. The last four weeks we've been looking at pastor elders and then looking at deacons, and this passage of scripture hits both. So I thought we could just read it, and then we'll pray. So this is God's authoritative word, 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we pray as we come to this very special moment in the life of our church, that you would bless us as a congregation as we study your word and we seek to, by your grace, identify and install men into these roles, into this office of deacon, to be a blessing to the church now and for years to come. Lord, we pray 
that you would help us to know who you desire for these for this role and that we as a church would benefit that we as a church would be blessed and we pray this morning for the deacons you are raising up we pray for them this morning as they sit some of them in these seats that you would encourage their hearts in the grace that you have given to them in the gifting you have given to them and Lord, we pray even today for faith that they will need to step out in serving you and your people in this wonderful task. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So three points this morning. Point number one, qualifications for deacons. This is going to feel probably a point like kind of rapid fire preaching. We're going to work our way through these passages to really equip you Today and in the days ahead to pray through God, what are the qualifications? Who do I see? What type of people should be in these roles? And um, really positioning you to seek God well. And as we work through this list, I pray that we would see these verses as yet another example of God's intentional love for his church. I remember hearing a few years back about a, about a husband who had a terminal disease. He knew it was only a matter of time before he left this world and left his bride of many years. It would be the first time in a long time that she would live alone. And so he left her a very detailed list of where things were located when certain things financially and with the upkeep of the house needed to be accomplished and what she needed to do to accomplish it. To a person that didn't know the backstory, this list could have looked like a very impersonal catalog of to-dos. To his wife, it was a love letter. It was very much an example and a reminder of the husband's ongoing care for his bride long after he was gone. Now, God is very much alive this morning, and he's very much with us this morning. But these verses are similar in that what he inspired Paul to write in 1 Timothy 3 is a gift from him to help us to know that we're not alone. We're not left to ourselves when it comes to growing and organizing ourselves as a church. We're not alone in understanding what decisions should be made And who we should put into certain roles for the health of the church, both short term and long term. When we read these verses, we are to be reminded of God's love for us, both individually and as a congregation. As he gives us his wisdom and guidance as we move forward. A love that is most powerfully and clearly shown in him sending his own son. To live a perfect life for us. To die on the cross for our sins. I love Tom's leadership in worship today. As he reminded us of the great mercy of God. We've been rescued by him. We've been reconciled to him. We have seen his love in so many ways. Most most clearly 
through Christ, but also through passages like 1 Timothy 3 that teach us that we see his ongoing love in the fact that he saves, sanctifies, and equips certain men to be pastors and deacons to be an extension of his spiritual and physical care throughout the duration of the Christian life. These following verses are given to us that we might be able to identify these men when God places them within the local church. So let's, let's look at some of these qualifications. Look again at verse, chap, verse 8 of chapter 3. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. So we see here at the outset that God is more concerned with the person's character than their gifting. More concerned about their godliness than their talents. This doesn't mean that gifting is unimportant. It just means character is more important. The world chooses its leaders based primarily on talents and abilities. The church, however, is to be more focused on who a person is and less on what they do. Dignified, not double-tongued. A deacon must be dignified, worthy of respect from both those inside and outside the church. They're men within the church who are respected because of the manner in which they live and speak for the glory of God. They must not be double-tongued. In this phrase, we would kind of use the phrase, a person that speaks out of both sides of their mouth, to be double-tongued. And we see a person can be double-tongued in kind of two different but similar ways. The first would be a person who speaks one way in front of some people and another way towards others. The person speaks not based on his conviction, but on what he is able to gain from the person who is currently in front of him. The second way we could say that someone is double-tongued is a person who makes promises but doesn't hold to them and is unrepentant in the breaking of the promise. A deacon must not be this way, but should be faithful in his speech, having a conviction to speak honestly and truthfully to all. And a person whose word means something to him. With his yes being yes and his no being no. Phil Riken states that the word of a deacon should be one of the strongest guarantees in the church. The word of a deacon should be one of the most, one of the strongest guarantees in the church. When needs arise within the body and a deacon or the team of deacons state that they will take care of this, it is a great blessing to both pastors and the congregation to know it will be taken care of because these are men of their word. We see not addicted to much wine and not greedy for dishonest gain. Both of these qualifications are an issue of self-control and the avoidance of idolatry. It's not saying here that deacons are not allowed to drink wine or that they cannot be wealthy. What it's saying is that they must have the self-control by God's grace for these things to not become false idols. Think about it, church. Drunkenness and greed are both at the, at the root the same thing. It's, a, it's someone finding their contentment, their peace, their joy in something other than Christ. Verse 9. They must Hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. 
the, the phrase mystery of the faith here doesn't mean kind of like unknown things that you know deacons have more clarity in than you do. The mystery of the faith here means the revealed truth of God given to us in the Bible, which is the word of God. They must have a sincere and strong conviction regarding God's word. Deacons are called by God to be orthodox in their theology. We talked about this last week. They're not just guys good with the toolbox. They're godly men good with the toolbox. <laughs> this doesn't mean that they have to know everything because this is God we're talking about. None of us know everything. And it doesn't mean that they must have an elder-like ability to teach God's word. One of the differences between elders and deacons is that elders are called commanded to be able to teach. We don't see that in scripture with deacons. They do not have to have the gift to teach God God's word. However, they are to have a love for God. They are to have a love for his word and their 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 kind of personal statement of faith must be orthodox. It must align with Christian doctrine. They're to be men who love God's word have a hunger for God's word, and are unapologetic in standing on God's word as the supreme and authoritative truth that it is. Because we're not just serving people in a vacuum, right? When deacons serve, they come kind of in the name of Christ. We don't want to just give you bread. We want to give you the gospel when we give you bread. We don't want to just care for the physical needs of the widows alone, but to care for their souls as we do so. And so as we serve the church, as deacons serve the physical needs of the church, they're not just doing that in isolation. It's connected to the gospel. It's connected to God's word. Verse 10. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. This verse highlights what we saw last week in Acts 6. That it's good and necessary for the congregation and for elders to evaluate these men under the biblical qualifications that are given to us by God. Evaluating a man does not mean being sinfully critical towards them. It's an opportunity to seek the Lord and his wisdom in word and prayer, and an opportunity to celebrate. I pray that this is a season where we celebrate God's gifts to us. I'm sure, my guess is, not every person nominated will end up being a deacon, but that doesn't stop us from celebrating that my guess is we've got multiple, multiple men who adhere to these biblical qualifications, and we can just celebrate that. That God has given us so many wonderful men in our church, that God's given us so many wonderful women in our church, and we can just take times and we're evaluating on the general level. Oh God, you've been so good to Christ Community Church. And although evaluation at times is done in a formal way, in the life of a church, this is often happening informally because the reality is if a person is being raised up by God to the role of deacon, to the role of pastor, if the congregation is biblically discerning, they are going to begin to see the evidence of this long before the man is placed into any role. A godly man who is called to be an elder or deacon by the grace of God is just going to naturally, humbly, lovingly, skillfully serve the flock of God in very informal ways because he just loves the church. 
A man who's called to be a deacon or a man who's called to be an elder isn't going to wait for a title to do that. He begins to serve and love the body of Christ right where he is, right in that season. If a person needs a title to serve God's people, he probably shouldn't be an elder or a deacon. So important, not just for leadership in the church to know passages like 1 Timothy 3 and be on the lookout for men like this in the local church, but for the congregation to know passages like this. So that when God gives us these gifts, they can identify these men in the earliest stages and be encouraged that the man, if, if he is one day placed in some official role, he's not stepped into it for his own benefit but for the people's benefit. And they will know he will love them and serve them with or without a title because they've already seen evidence of that by his own actions. As we continue looking at these helpful qualifications, beginning in verse 11, we see that the qualifications move into the family of the deacon. Look at verse 11 there with me. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. A, a deacon's wife is to be a faithful follower of Christ, not malicious, but self-controlled with her tongue. And, and the reason for this, at least in part, is that deacons will know about the trials, weaknesses, suffering, and needs of the congregation in a pronounced and intimate way. They, like the pastors at times, will know sensitive information about members of the congregation. And the congregation must have a confidence that both the deacon and at times his wife will only speak about these things in appropriate, wise, loving ways. Verse 12 continues the family theme. Look at verse 12 with me. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. The, the role of deacon, although it is a role of service, is, is also, as we're seeing, a role of, of godliness and leadership. And we see both of those roles come together in the role of a husband and a father. A deacon must be able to lead, administrate, and serve. And if a man is not evidencing this in his care of his family, we should not expect that he could do it towards the church. This verse here does not mean that a man must be married and have children to be a deacon. The point of the verse is that a deacon is called to be faithful to God in whatever season of life God has called him. Is he being faithful in the role and the task where God is currently assigned him? That can be a helpful uh, Lends for us to know if he will continue to be faithful in, in additional responsibilities. This passage ends with the encouragement regarding the role of deacon. For those who serve well as deacons, they gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. You know, we are in the Christian life saved by grace alone. We do Everything by God's grace alone, in his strength alone. It's his overwhelming love that we are who we are. And yet this is so like God. We do all things by his grace and, and his power. And yet he will bless deacons. He will bless these men who will serve in the local church. 
That's so like God. God gives us the grace to do something and then pours out blessing when we do it. God, I, I couldn't have done this without your grace. I know, but you did it. And you laid your life down for the body of Christ. You serve them. And I want to I encourage you. I want to bless you. I want to help you grow in your confidence of, of what I've done in your life and who you are. Now, let me speak for a moment to those who wonder if God might be calling you to the role of deacon. As you look at these qualifications, remember that the call by God here is not perfect fruit, but genuine fruit. One, and this, this goes to all of us, what I'm about to say. One of the devil's greatest schemes in keeping God's people from serving God's church is by tempting Christians to believe you're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. To be fixated on the sin that remains and to dismiss the grace and gifting that God has given to you. Now, now it's one thing to look at these qualifications and rec- rightly recognize, you know what? By God's grace, I need to grow in some areas before it would be wise for me to serve the church in this way. That's not wrong. That's okay. If, if you look at these and you're honest with yourself and you're examining your life and doctrine, maybe your wife's caring for you, you know, there, there's some areas I need to grow. That's good. That's good. Yet it's a very another thing to allow the devil to rub your face in the mud of condemnation. Because you, like all of us, are called to keep growing more like Christ. The question here, brother, is not are you perfect in these qualifications. The question is, are you faithful? Do we see fruit in these ways? My assumption is the devil's going to come after you in this season and tempt you to condemnation. That's my, that's my empirical evidence of my own life as I think maybe about you and I think about our church. The devil does not want deacons in our church. Because he has seen throughout church history the biblical blessing they are to local churches when they are done prayerfully and wisely. They make the body of Christ healthier, stronger. Churches are better equipped to serve one another and advance the gospel to the neighborhood and nations. The devil does not want that. Don't be surprised if you are tempted to condemnation in this season. When temptation to condemnation comes, brother, or to any of us this morning, brothers and sisters, go to the cross again. Go to the cross again and again, and remember what Christ has done for you. Remember what Christ has spoken over you, and remember that he is making you more and more like him. And he has given you gifts for the good of the local church. And, and finally, on this point of if you wonder if you're called to be a deacon, allow Allow, brother, the congregation and your wives to be an encouragement if it comes. If the congregation, as we move through this nomination process, encourages you, if your wife encourages you, I want to encourage you, let it be a very real voice. Don't be quick to dismiss it. Don't be quick to, well, yeah, but look at all this sin. Again, if it's rightly wisely biblically done okay let's talk about that and let's pray and let's seek god's word but if it's i shut out encouragement i shut out my wife where she sees god's grace i shut out the congregation where i see god's grace that's not good 
Although an internal sense that God is calling you into this role of deacon is important, the external encouragement of others is also a wonderful blessing that God often uses to put wind in our sails as we step out in faith. Point number two, the role of men and women in diaconal ministry. The role of men and women in diaconal ministry as pastors, as we've studied God's word, as we've prayed, as we've talked to one another, as we've talked to others on this issue, we believe that only men are called by God to officially be installed into the office of deacon. Now, this is a secondary doctrine, and that's how, as a church, we want to hold it. This is in primary. In it being secondary, it is important to us. We, we do have a conviction as elders on this matter, but it's just that. It's secondary. We, we would not believe a church is heretical or unorthodox if they have women in the role of deacons. And we certainly could enjoy fellowship with any Bible-believing, gospel-loving church that was different on this matter. So let me share with you kind of our two main reasons why we biblically see that and then give you a couple affirmations. None of this is exhaustive. Uh, all of this is kind of the, the big stuff to continue to help you to process. The, the first reason we believe that that only men are called to be installed in the office, is the plain reading of Scripture. If you simply went to God's Word and said, what does God say about this? We believe it clearly points to men being the ones called by God to be officially installed into the office of deacon. Acts 6.3, God, God's Word tells the church to pick out from among you seven men to this task. As we look at 1 Timothy 3 as well, men are the ones in the focus of this evaluation for this role. We, we see nothing in Scripture that encourages the church to consider evaluating a woman to be officially installed into the office of deacon. So the first reason, just biblically, we do not see warrant for it. And not only do we not see warrant for it, we actually see it being men. Men are called to be evaluated. Men are called to be the ones put in this role. And then secondly, the issue of authority. So when you look at a topic, you want to look at the whole counsel of God. What, what other passages of Scripture help bring clarity to us on this topic? Although deacons are called to serve, in many ways we believe they are also called to lead. We believe they're called to lead under the elders, but called to lead both spiritually and administrative ways. Deacons, in fulfilling their ministry to the church in various ways, will often be responsible to direct and lead men and women within the congregation. So we believe in this role, the people in this role are called to, at times, lead, have authority over men and women within the church. In light of this, we believe a woman being officially installed into the role of deacon and taking these type of responsibilities would go against 1 Timothy 2.12, which states that a woman may not have authority over a man. So we want to make sure that we do not violate this scripture in our moving forward in the fulfillment of the scripture over here. So how do, how do we obey scripture on both in both places at the same time? Now, a few points of affirmation. As we talked about last week, and Tim Shorey highlighted so well at the marriage seminar yesterday morning, this is not an issue of value, but of calling and function. 
We do not believe women are inferior to men. We do not believe men are better than women. Within creation, within marriage, within the church, men and women are given by God different roles, and yet we are equal in value because all humanity is made in the image of God, and as Christians, we are all equal in Christ. Affirmation number two, we as a church... And as pastors are committed to equipping and positioning our sisters in Christ in all the ways God calls them to serve within the body. God has given every Christian in our church gifts. And there are so many ways, both formally and informally, where Christian women are called to effectively minister in the church. And we want to see our ladies thrive in the gifts that God has given to them. We do not want to quench anyone's gift in this church. We want them to be raised up and to be placed in the places God wants them. One very small example of this in the short term is that we will be offering a couple women's Bible studies and then kind of two of the four seasons and then the other seasons we want to have men Bible studies. And we want those women's Bible studies to be led by women who both have a burden and a gifting to do so. This is one example of how we want to be committed as pastors in the days ahead to prayerfully consider how to best encourage, disciple, and mobilize the women of Christ's community for the good of the church and the glory of God. As women, as individual Christian women, if you have burdens for different things within the church, places you wonder if your gifts might be able to be used, please share that with us. We want to hear your burdens. We want to hear where you feel like God is on the move in your life. And for us as pastors to join you in praying, to join you in seeking God. And as the years go on, and we will continue, again, in informal and formal ways, equip and mobilize and disciple you as our sisters in Christ to be the biggest blessing you have been in the life of this church and you will be. Final affirmation, although we do not believe a woman is called to the office of deacon, it is clearly biblical that certain women are called to serve in diaconal ministry so we're making a a a bit of a uh uh, uh, we're holding these things a bit in tension that we don't believe women are called to to be officially installed as deacons but serve in diaconal ministry yes of course you look at romans 16 and it speaks about the fact that phoebe was a great servant of christ She, she was gifted to serve the physical needs of the body under the leadership of the deacons. We see Priscilla as well, called to serve in diaconal ministry, not not leading it, not having authority over men, but serving within the ministry. Don't believe women were officially installed as deacons in that office, but they wonderfully served in the ministries that flowed out from the elders and deacons. There there will be times when certain women are best suited to serve certain needs of the church. And we believe under the leadership and care of the deacons, they will be called by God to, to action. Although women might not be called to lead in diaconal ministry, they most certainly are called to be a blessing to the church in diaconal ministry. And if you want if you have more questions about what would that look like, or if you have questions of what, what does that mean, please continue to talk to us about it. Finally, and and briefly here, point number three, next steps for our church. Next steps for our church. Um, Everyone in your bulletin today got the nomination form. So if you're a member of our church, we 
are asking you to take kind of starting today to April 1st. That's where our new members meeting is. A little bit more than around 30 days. To prayerfully consider these qualifications. That's why we put it on your sheet. And to consider the men of our church and to fill that out and put that. uh, John has this really kind of cool looking pretty uh, wood box. uh, And you can put that there. It'll just be there. Uh, the next few Sundays, then we'll bring that to the new members or the uh, the members meeting uh, on April 1st. And you can have a chance to, to put it in there. You can email us if you want to, whatever kind of best serves you. But that's kind of, that's that's the next step. CB uh, or I, I think, will we'll highlight some of the other steps. But, but that's the next step. Us as a congregation saying, okay, here are the qualifications. Here are the, here are the men in our church. God, who are you? calling for us to consider a couple just quick strike questions can a wife nominate her husband that was a question we we got this week yes that would be a wonderful testimony to the grace you see in his life can a man put himself forward i know that can feel awkward but yes because we want the men who are deacons not to to kind of well i got i got drafted for this you know i can't can't say no All right. You know, we want men who with fear and trembling say, I think God's calling me to this. We we read there in the beginning of chapter 3 for for overseers, for pastors, he who desire this, desire a noble thing. We've got men in our church who say, I I wonder if I'm called to be a pastor. We don't look at that and say, man, would you, could you humble yourself a little bit? I think when it's done in that sense of, I could be wrong. I need people's valuation. I need your prayers. I need your discipleship. But I, I think God's calling me to this. It's a wonderful thing. We would not be put off by someone saying, I wonder if God might be calling me to this. Are we going to put forward a specific list of areas of service? Kind of yes and kind of no. And in just a moment in the Q&A, CB's going to highlight some areas. But we're not saying like, here's the list. Who should fill them? Because that's not biblically what we see, right? Biblically, the issue is biblical qualifications. The question is, who's gifted to be a deacon and then to, in turn, look at the needs of the church? The needs of the church will change over the years. Some are going to be short-term. Some are going to be long-term. We as a church have, we'll have needs 10 years from now. We don't right now and probably vice versa. So instead of trying to make it, here's a list. Let's, let's try to put these kind of square blocks and round holes. Just what are the biblical qualifications? Who meets those qualifications? And let's pray about how, how God wants to use them. We feel comfortable as pastors with more of a broad um, what serves the church and what serves the elders because that's the that's kind of the primary point of Acts 6. Elders are called to be doing what they're doing. The church at times need needs help, and that's going to flow out in a lot of different ways. John Stott says deacons are men called by God to serve the church in practical administration and ministry. They're called to assist the elders and care for the congregation. And so if, if that's how we're looking at this, then there's going to be a lot of shapes and forms it takes over the years. And then finally, just we encourage you, pray, pray, pray. Pray for, for us as a congregation. Pray for us as pastors. Pray for these men. We want to be confident and be excited about these next days, but we also want to do so with with appropriate, not sinful, but appropriate fear and trembling. Because you know from church experience, if you get the wrong people in, in, in roles of eldership, great damage can be done. If you put the wrong people in the role of deacons, 
bad things can come. So our hope is in God. We're trusting God. But as we see in scripture, God calls us to play a part in this. And so we, we don't write anyone's name down flippantly, right? We, Lord, what do you want us to do? And that's how we're going to move through this whole process. So let's pray and then we'll take, we'll do the Q&A. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the gift of deacons. And we pray, Lord, that, that you would help us, that you would guide us. Our hope is not in structure, Lord, but we do see the good gifts of this role. And we pray that, that we would walk through this humbly, but confidently in what you want to do. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John and CB are going to come on up here, and we're going to work through about five questions. So it's only 11.16, so uh, we're not going to be here for a long time. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago, you're not now bound to your chair for the next four hours. Uh, we're going to work through five questions, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Now, I wanted to see if one of them would grab this pulpit, because this pulpit, I found out two weeks ago, is about 6,000 pounds. And I thought, you know what? All right, I'll do it. And ben, 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 Ben. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Get some heavy lifting. I was joking that I gained the respect of every guy in the set up and, and teardown team two weeks ago. Because That's I had good. no idea how heavy it was when I picked it up. And I had my back turned to you and there was this moment of like, what did I just get myself into? And so then I picked it up and then I realized, I got to get it off the stage. It's not just picking it up, it's getting it off the stage. But That's excellent. I, I think I, I gained some of Keith's respect that day. <laughs> um, so question number one. Uh, it's kind of it's a uh, kind of one for me and CB. Honestly, one of the blessings of John, John. There's many blessings of John, but one of the blessings of John coming to our church and coming on staff is that this isn't his only uh, ministry context. Uh, he has been a minister in Dallas, outside of Sovereign Grace, outside of Christ Community, and so when we're talking about a topic, obviously the authority of the Word is most important. Let's talk about the authority of the Word. We'll we'll just kind of talk it out, but. With most topics, there's some point where we'll say, John, what's your experience been like this, kind of outside of our church? So kind of a secondary blessing and secondary wisdom. So uh, we asked John just to uh, answer the question, as you've seen it in past churches and, and being a pastor in other places, what has been the benefit to, the, to all of us in regards to deacons? Well, um, the benefit of having a diaconate uh, for elders and the benefit for the congregants, I want to just tackle those two really quick. It's going to be really short. But in regards to the elders, what was the benefit of having a deacon or having, what were the benefits of deacons? Um, having qualified godly men serving in multiple areas gave the elders more time to study the word and to pray for the saints of the church that I was a pastor of in Dallas was called Redeemed Community Church. And we we had more time for uh, the equipping, to prepare for equipping uh, the congregation in areas of teaching ministries that we oversaw. And we saw quite a few teaching ministries. We were doing teaching Bible studies, equipping the saints in Bible studies and uh, and just other other areas of ministry. So it really freed us up, if you will, to get down and deep into the word of God to be able to equip the saints of the church. And that was very helpful 
uh, for us. And then to pray for the specific needs of the congregants in our church. It gave us time to spend quality prayer for the people of our congregation. And that was very helpful to know that we could have qualified men that we could rely on to do the work of deacons. Um, how did it benefit the congregation? How did having deacons benefit the congregation in our context at, at Redeemed Community? Uh, we were an inner city church, and so I'm going to be thinking of inner city right now. And we had people in our congregation in the inner city who were very poor. And we had a deacon who helped distribute food to the poor in our congregation. Uh, and, and he was administrative, so he was able to gather a team of men and women who went out to the congregation who were poor, uh, single moms, moms who changed their minds, who were thinking about aborting, who changed their minds and needed diapers, infamil, all those type of things, widows in our congregation. And they would deliver food to the homes. They'd go to their homes. They'd spend time with the moms, uh, with their children. They'd pray with them. They'd encourage them. And then they'd let us know as elders what the situation is so that we in turn can pray with informed prayers to God about what is going on. Uh, and so it was very beneficial for both the elders and the congregation. Uh, question two, one, this is probably the question we got the most this week. What areas are you thinking about? Right? So for Acts 6, we see that there's, there's a need to care for the widows. And so that's the need in the church and the deacons are doing that work. So the, one of the questions we got, and it was a great question is, in what kinds of ways can you see the deacons serving within our local church? Thanks, Ben. Um, I, uh, one thing to say about, uh, the deacons and who you might nominate, uh, somebody asked me last week about, um, could we nominate somebody that we know who's already serving in the church in some significant capacity, not as a pastor, but somebody in the church who's already serving in a significant capacity? Yes, you can, and that's gonna be something we can evaluate, uh, throughout this time as well. Um, but in relation to, uh, deacons serving within the local church, Ben preached, uh, on Acts 6 last week, and uh, and it was just talking about a real team of men that were being raised up there. You had Stephen specifically delineated and the character qualifications of Stephen and uh, what marked his life certainly met the character qualifications Ben uh, and the gifting qualifications Ben um, elaborated on from 1 Timothy 3. But we're, we're really envisioning a, a team of guys uh, that would really be a blessing to enable us as pastors to really continue to give our attention to the preaching of the word, the ministry of the word, and the prayer, as John mentioned a moment ago. Um, and we're looking for a group of guys that will be able to really be, I think versatility might be required. Uh, we were talking about this this past week, that after, in a sense, the, the widows were really covered in relation to the uh, the food distribution and the issue in Acts 6, that may have gotten resolved and those deacons may have in time been able to move on to something else, some other project. And so we, we really imagine a man who can be dynamic and serve, taking care of uh, one problem uh, that needs to be addressed practically within the church over here. And then maybe he would, would need to slide and serve over here a little bit and, and, and that sort of thing. And 
we're, you know, we're looking for maybe even if it's a small team of guys, that's great. We're not looking necessarily to have a massive team, but as Ben mentioned, as our church grows, we would imagine that the, the, the amount of deacons would increase as the needs within our church increase. And so, you know, pray for us for wisdom as, as, as a congregation, wisdom for us as pastors as we're uh, seeing that unfold. Um, potential areas we could see uh, for deacons serving in would be the general care um, and the physical and financial needs of the church, um, issues like the church property and management of the church property, um, children's ministry, set up and tear down oversight. Uh, one of the areas we, we also imagined, uh, Ben, John, and I were talking about was in relation to mercy ministries. John just gave an illustration, an excellent illustration of how that happened in the church that he was pastoring in Dallas and, and also uh, in LaGrange, Georgia, where he had pastored as well. Um, there were other areas of service. But those are just a, a sampling of a few areas. But again, even there, your ideas, we would love to hear your ideas of, hey, I could see an area where we would need a deacon for this, guys. Have you considered this? Um, again, we really lean heavily into the wisdom that comes from your discernment, church, and we're grateful for it. And don't assume that, you know, the three of us are seeing everything and every need that's there, and you may identify an area of service that greatly helps us. And uh, so we're, we're, we're thankful for your insights into that. And so, you know, please keep your ideas and your, your, uh, your thoughts and your questions uh, coming to us. And, and you can actually, you can write that right on the nomination form. So if there's a Maybe it's not that person that you're connecting it to. Just here's an area I wonder about. Or if it is, I wonder if this man is called to this particular role within diaconal ministry. You can just write that right there. And I, and I know somebody asked us, well, where do the needs flow from? You know, who, who determines the needs? Again, biblically, isn't it It's all three? I mean, we're all in Christ. We're all the body of Christ. But pastors will at times see things. The congregation at times will see things. And deacons We'll see things. So I really think that to, to grow in health, all three groups are interacting. And, 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 and I think our hope would be once that team gets identified and equipped and, and installed, to, to meet with them, you know, to get time with them. What, what are you seeing? And what are we seeing? And really uh, working together uh, to best really serve the church. Um, question number three, will the deacons be asked to serve for a certain amount of time uh, if so, how long? Excellent. Thanks, Ben. Um, yeah, it's been a question we've received. Um, you know, in relation to pastors, elders, uh, those terms, as we've mentioned, are, are synonymous in Scripture. The, the, the idea of terms is something that's much more common in church governments as you look throughout, uh, you know, the, the broad uh, church today. And uh, we believe, especially in relation to elders, that, you know, terms, a pastor is a guy who's called to be an elder and, and a pastor. You're not seeing in Scripture the idea of terms. Um, but we believe, especially in relation to deacons, that it's important to just delineate, even though the idea of terms isn't specified, we don't have an idea or a concept of terms in relation to the guys who are serving as elders or pastors but in relation to deacons, we thought it might just be wise to establish sort of a three-year term that can be renewable if the deacon and the pastors both believe that the Lord is continuing to call the individual to that role. And, you know, that's something, an idea that we could we could uh, change up a little bit. We thought that 
uh, at the bare minimum, two years would be great. I remember we were talking because you want a guy to be able to get in and get the feel of serving in that role and, and be able to establish a momentum. That's, it's very hard to do only after one year. So we were thinking a bare minimum of two, but then the idea of three years, just to give guys an opportunity to say, yeah, this is kind of what I'm looking at, and then I can reevaluate. And that way they don't feel bound to serve in that role forever, and they can pray about whether or not they want to continue or not. And that's something we've been giving a lot of thought to as pastors. We want people in our church, men and women, who are serving in just key roles in our church to feel our care in relation to um, when you step in to serve in a certain way, you're not bound to it for life in a way to where it's like you're never getting out of this until you die. You know, we want people to be able to really uh, just enjoy and love serving and be able to talk with us. And, and please feel free, any of you, to talk with us about just how you're doing as you're serving. We recognize, you know, serving Christ, serving God's people, it it can uh, take it out of you at times. Please, any time you're serving the Lord in any capacity in our church. Keep us posted with how we can care for you, how you're doing. We're not going to look at that as as some negative. In fact, we just want that type of dialogue back and forth because we, we love you. We want to make sure you're well cared for and that you're, you're running and keeping strong. So, yeah. It's really well said. Really well said. You know, I was thinking about Tom England. We just, Tom, I love him in children's ministry. He's such a blessing. His, his fire for the gospel you hear up here is what the kids give. Uh, but we really realize that him focusing on the worship team in this season is important. So he's not going to be on that schedule so he can really serve us in that way. And I think that's to that question about someone serving somewhere else. You know what? Maybe God's calling them to step away from the one role to, to go towards the other. So that's a, that's, that was a great, great encouragement, CB. Uh, question number four. Can you explain the purpose of the budget review team? I will try. And I, I, I smile because it's one of the ways, I think, by God's grace, we really have structure and, for, and, and, and process over the years. I Just as I walked into the church house, if you walk into the church house, uh, Rachel Swan, I believe, just redid the lobby. It is so good. It's so good. It's so pretty. And she has those pictures on the right-hand side, and there's a picture of a budget review meeting from way back in the day. Some of those dudes look a lot younger than they do now. Uh, I'm not naming names, but uh, uh, so uh, so on the right side there, we see that of the budget review team. And, and so uh, over the years, this group has gotten more and more kind of formal and organized. So let me just briefly hit it. Uh, we have a budget review team, and, and so our, our budget year is September 1st, October 31st. Uh, we give those guys time to look at the budget. What do you think about the numbers? What what thoughts do you have? Where should we move things around? As we think about the land and building, as we think about mission, just, you know, when, when we went with everything with Mario and Jen, meeting with those guys and just how can we best serve and make just a blessing to us. So they are uh, meeting tonight with us. So hopefully no uh, Oscar fans on that committee because uh, they'll be getting talk about Excel spreadsheets, baby, which, you know. That's exciting as any other movie. Uh, <laughs> and, and so we're going to meet with them. This is, this is the year and a half. Uh, this is the halfway point of the year. So just where are we financially? What questions do they have? We have an agenda just to walk through. So we just have a group of men that are helping us uh, and bringing wisdom and bringing counsel. And then with even with our salaries, there's this really uh, somewhat complicated and somewhat simple process to come up with our salaries and the and, the process is to figure out, okay, a church our size in this part of the country uh, and with the guys and the roles they have and how long they've been in ministry, what does like an average guy with all those qualifications, what do they get? 
what what is average for them to get paid in, in, in compensation. So those guys really walk through that. Brian Smith walks through that with the guys. They give recommendations. I think the last, what, three years, we've just, okay, we've you know just affirmed that and said, sounds good. Uh, so when it comes to salary, when it comes to finances, we, you know, we have a wonderful team of guys who are helping us. And, you know, as CB has said, if you are gifted in those ways, uh, this doesn't, I don't know if every single guy on that committee is going to be a deacon. There could just be a committee and there might be a deacon who's leading it. And yet a group of guys who don't know if they're called to be deacons, but just are good with finances and are good with um, really thinking through three, four, five year financial plans. Uh, we'd love for you to talk to us. And, you know, if it's the Lord's will, we'd love for you to be added to that group. Okay. Uh, and then finally, question number five, in summary, what are the steps of this process? So we talked about, a little bit about that last week, but just kind of where we are, where we're going. Right now, starting kind of now, the congregational nomination process. So now until April 1st, it's all about you guys and giving us, as you pray and seek the Lord, what are the people that you would want us to consider, want us to consider. Then after April 1st, we're going to collect all those names and it's going to be a time of pastors praying and discussing the nominated names. So we're just going to take them to the Lord. God, what do you want? And, and so we're going to trust God that he's going to give us clarity. Uh, after you nominate and we pray, the pastors will approach a group of men and ask them to consider serving in this role. So again, you're not, you're not drafted into this. It's not, you've been named. Okay, guess what? Next three years, here's how you're going to serve. Really, we want to go to these men and say, your, your name has been put forward. As we've prayed about it, it seems wise to us and the Holy Spirit to, to, to consider you. What do you think? And for them to really specifically be praying. So I would encourage you, if you're, if you wonder, are you called to be a deacon? Start praying now. But we, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that with you and, and to talk through what would equipping and discipleship look like? What would it look like to help you more clearly understand what you're signing up for and what, you know, what transition might need to take place in your life and just what conversations when to equip the saints for the work of ministry and that might be different from kind of guy to guy uh, after we approach those guys for those who agree those men will be put forward to the church for a final affirmation so again we'll then put those guys in front of you here's men that you have nominated here's men that we've prayed about we've talked to them they're in faith if it's if 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 it's, if it's the lord to do it as a church we have another opportunity there i doubt, I doubt it's going to surprise you i doubt there'll be anybody up there who Oh, really? That guy? Or I've never seen that guy before. And my guess is it's going to be just people who are like, yeah, I've seen him serving. I've seen him loving the body of Christ. And then we'll have a, an official installation Sunday where we'll lay hands on them and pray for them, and they'll kind of be officially set in those roles. Okay. So if you have any questions about any of that or any encouragement, counsel, wisdom, we would love to hear it. All right. Well, CB, would you mind if you have any other thoughts, feel free to share them and then just pray for us as we close? Yeah, just a few words of thanks. Uh, the first would be to the budget review team, uh, Brian Smith, Joel Madison, John Shell, Austin Putnam, Keith Valentine, um, and your wives. Um, these men have served our church faithfully for many years and are a blessing to us as pastors as we're seeking to manage and steward the church finances well to the glory of God. Uh, we couldn't do this without them. And uh, we are so grateful uh, to you, gentlemen. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it's worthy of applause. Also, um, 
Ben, John, and myself are going to be going away for a, a pastor's retreat um, over Tuesday night into Wednesday. Would you please be praying for us? We're processing a lot of the things that you all have been submitting by way of questions. Thank you, by the way, for the questions that you've been given to us over this last season. Please keep them coming. I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but uh, approachability. We want you to feel like you can talk to us about anything that's on your heart with the church. And don't ever feel like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to be a burden. Or, You're not a burden. You're a joy to us, and, and this is your church, and uh, you care about it, and we love that you care about it, and so your insights really help us, And but we're going to be processing through some of those things. I've been down uh, just with sickness over this last little stretch here, so some of you, I have emails. I want to get back to you specifically on some of the things you've mentioned about elders. We want to get back to you on some of the questions you've had about deacons, and we're so excited to do that. So uh, thanks for your patience with us as we're getting back to you on some of those, but we're eager, and we will, every single question you bring, we really care about, um, so thank you for that. Um, I want to just thank God for uh, John, who developed this insert that was in here this week, and the little box has been mentioned that's in the back. John's been doing a great job with that. And uh, you know, if you're trying, if you've ever tried to format something from Mac into Word or Word into Mac, and have had problems and have wanted to throw your computer, uh, that's the kind of week John had, and he he did that and did that very well. Um, but I also especially, I really especially want to give thanks to Ben because he has given so much attention to this area of deacons as we've asked him as an eldership, can, can you run point, buddy, just to guide us through this with deacons and to establish this office and some men who would serve in this way. And uh, he has just done an outstanding job guiding us through that. And his two messages over the last couple of weeks have been a real blessing, haven't they? And we thank God for Ben. Grateful for you, buddy. Let's pray. Lord, we just give you all the glory. As Ben mentioned in his message, the reason we talk about elders and deacons and areas of service, Lord, uh, it's because you care for your church so much that you've given servants to your precious bride to help bless and strengthen her and care for her spiritually, care for your bride practically. Jesus, you have shed your blood to purchase your precious church. And Lord God, it means so much to you to care for your people. And I thank you so much for the way that you've given us godly men and godly women in our church, gifted men and gifted women, to be a blessing to help serve our church family. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us in these areas. Lord, we, as as Ben mentioned a couple weeks ago, we're we're a construction project. It's, it's always a, a dynamic process as a church is growing and people are getting saved through the preaching of the gospel and more needs arise. The, the church needs to, to react to the needs that are coming and, and care for those needs, both spiritual and practical needs that arise. And Lord, so there's always need for wisdom. There's always desperate need for you and your wisdom. And God, I just thank you so much for our church family. Thank you for just their love for Christ. Lord, and I pray that you would just, Holy Spirit, pour out your spirit upon us and fill us, Holy Spirit, with with power to do all that you're calling us to do. I'm so grateful, Lord God, for all that you're doing in our midst, the people that you're saving and drawing to Christ in our in our church family, but also, Lord, the way you're continuing to build our church and you're strengthening us in relation to structure. 
Lord, I can't help but get excited about the days ahead when I think about the people that are going to be saved and the, the individuals are going to be built up and strengthened. I think of the next generation that you're raising up within our church, the young men and women who, as we grow older, Lord God, I pray you would fill them up, Holy Spirit, to, to take on the mantle, to be godly men and women, to, to strengthen the church in a time that maybe we won't even see. Bless our church family, Lord. Bless the preaching of the gospel so that a light would shine in this area for Christ for many, many years to come. That's what this is about, Lord. It's about your glory. It's about you, Jesus, saying, I will build my church in the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, we are so excited about all you're doing. Strengthen us in this season, we ask, for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, we love you. Have a wonderful week. God bless you, and thanks so much for your heart for Jesus and your love for our church.